I don't want to start this morning just with this thought, what are you trusting in? As we move into 2023, what are you trusting in? What are you believing in? What are you hoping to build? What are you hoping to achieve? Who started with their New Year's resolutions last year? Anyone does resolutions? Anyone does vision casting? Oh, Sam was sharing before him and Beck sit down. They work out what their marriage wants to look like, what their ministry wants to look like, what their house wants to look like. What about you guys? You got any visions or, or passion dreams for 2023? Is there anything in your mind? And as we go down this road this morning, we're going to ask that question, what are you building? I mean, normally at the beginning, we, we start this, you know, it's kind of like the traditional, let's talk about vision. It's like, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to talk about vision. I want to ask you the question, what are you building? I want you to think about what you're building and what are you depending on while you're building that. We're going to get to a point in a minute. But I want to ask you this morning, let me tell you a story. When I was about 19, 17 years old, I had to work out how old I was. I said 19 and then went, nope, 17. When I was 17 years old, I had a, I don't know whether anyone's remember, old enough to remember these, the LC Tirana. Anyone remember an LC Tirana? Horrible car. But I bought this LC Tirana for $100. I rolled the first one, and then I had to buy another one. But I bought this other LC Tirana, and we made one half good car out of the two cars. And, and, and I was apt to do mechanical work, which is something I've since given up on. And so as we came along one day, I thought, I'm pretty smart. I can do an oil change. You know, you drop the sump, let all the oil come out, put the sump plug back in, put all the oil in, you drive along, right? I, I did this. I was really proud of myself. You know, I was driving along. I'm like, this is so cool. Look at me, Mr. Mechanic. This is great. And I came around and I was heading down a road. And as I came down and headed down this road, I looked in my rear view mirror. As I came around a corner, I looked in my rear view mirror and there was this two foot black line following me all the way down the road. Right about that time, I noticed the smoke starting to come off the exhaust pipe. And I realized at that point, because I'm pretty astute, I thought there could be a problem. I should possibly pull over. Right about the same time, the oil light came on the dash. None of those, you know, fancy modern cars where you get alarms and stuff. Just a light came on that kind of screams, you have an issue. And so I pulled over and much to my mistake, I realised that I hadn't tightened the sump plug quick enough. And, and so what I had was a car that was running and the oil was now all over the road, which everybody who's ever had that, anyone else ever had that? Malachi has, right, okay. <laughs> Brings me to today. It, it wouldn't have mattered how hard I put my foot on the accelerator. It wouldn't have mattered how far I could drive that car. Wouldn't have mattered how great that car was. Without that single component, I was going to be in trouble. Without having oil in the car, I was going. Didn't matter if I had a full tank of fuel or a three-quarter tank of fuel or a one-quarter. It didn't matter how new my battery was. Didn't matter how great my air filter was. It didn't matter how fantastic a driver I was, and I was a fantastic driver. What would have happened had I continued to drive is without the oil, my engine would have seized. It would have become harder and hotter and seized up, leaving me stranded on the side of the road. And I want to take that picture this morning because I think a lot of us are trusting as we're moving in, we go. I want to build something significant. I want to build a better marriage in 2023. I want to build a better ministry in 2023. I want to build more financial freedom in 2023. I want to build better family and better connection with my kids in 2023. I want to build a business in 2023. I don't know what you want to build. I'm getting to a point, but I don't know what you're thinking about. I want to build this. I want to do this differently. I want to improve on this. Whatever it is, I'm going to tell you, you need oil. 
in your life. You need the oil of the Holy Ghost to make this done, to get this job done. And I think sometimes what we do is we work on our own strength, our own ability, our own passions, our own wisdom, our own understanding, and we forget. We forget that the Holy Ghost is here and he's kind of going, hey, don't forget me. Don't forget me. It doesn't matter how good you go. doesn't matter how many horsepower you have in that engine. doesn't matter whether you're running 95 or E10. It doesn't matter. Without the oil, this thing is going to seize up. Without the oil, you're not going to get this job done. And I want to bring that this morning and show it to you in the Scriptures. And if we're reading through the Scriptures, we're going to read through the passage found in Zechariah. If you're with me this year, I want to encourage you to read Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Ezra and Nehemiah. There's some great books right at the beginning. It's talking about these people that have left, left Babylon, left the captivity, and they're moving into freedom. They've been anointed and appointed, and they're moving into something strong and significant, and they're there to lay the foundations and to rebuild the walls and to make the temple and glorify the name of God. And if you're with me this morning, you're going to come to this point where you see this guy called Zerubbabel. And Zechariah writes to Zerubbabel, because Zerubbabel has got a problem. Zerubbabel has, has been, he's a, he's a descendant of David. He's been given the charge. He's a civil leader. And he's been given the charge to rebuild the temple. And so he starts his job with vigor and enthusiasm. And then things start to go wrong. There starts to be some discouragement. There starts to be some opposition. And so Zerubbabel gets discouraged and the walls begin to cease and the temple work begins to cease and Zechariah has to come. Let me give you a few things that Zerubbabel is challenged by. He's challenged by the nations that are around him. And we're going to see this in our own lives. He's challenged by the fact that they've been gone back into Jerusalem. They've gone back in. And as they go back in, the nations around them aren't happy that they're going to build a temple and glorify God. If you're a Christian today in the world, you've got to be able to look around and realize that the nations by and large are not happy with your Christianity. The nations by and large aren't happy with what you choose to build when you're deciding to build something for God. And so there's this pressure and there's this kind of, sometimes it's, it's silent, sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's really overt, isn't it? There's this kind of pressure now that you want to keep your Christianity quiet. You want to pretend that you doesn't really exist, but we know that there's something bigger in us and we go, God, what I want to build in my marriage represents the glory of God. What I want to build in a business represents the glory of God. What I want to build in my ministry represents the glory of God. And I don't want to be quiet, but the pressure from the world wants to quiet and silence you down. Anyone with me with that? Anyone understanding that? And then we go from the next one. You've got the pressure without. Then you've got the pressure. Actually, you've got the pressure within. You've got the people who are there who are only half. They're only kind of, they've been left behind after they were carried away captive. And they're kind of intermarried. They're no longer Jews. They're no longer Babylonians. They're kind of there, but they're not there. They're passionate, but they're not passionate. And there's kind of this weakening within. And if you look around Christianity, you know enough Christians to go, they're kind of there, but they're not there. Actually, today, they're just not here. No, I'm just kidding. But they're there, but they're not there. They're, they're kind of turning up, but they're not passionate. They're not wanting to build something significant for God. And if you're not careful, you kind of get swept away in this tide of apathy. You become the lukewarm Christian. You're kind of just there, but you're not there. Are you following me? You still So you've got this outside, you've got this inside. And then if you really want to look at it, you've got your own self. 
your own doubts, your own fears, when you decide to start something, you want to build something significant, you want to build something great, and all of a sudden it slows down or it stagnates or it stops altogether. And you're kind of standing there going, I just feel so discouraged. I just feel like giving up. I just don't know what to do. If you're, if you're really bad, you kind of try and double down, and some of you may know someone like this, you double down. You, you know, when you're like that, you kind of double down, you become more pious. When you're doubling down, you do your devotions harder. When you're doubling down, you pray even more. You want to do everything you can to get God to come and do something for you. But the truth is, it's all coming out of your own works. It's all coming out of your own sense of self-worth. You're working really hard. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. In fact, as I was praying this through, I thought, you know, this year, my goal as your senior pastor is to help you develop a genuine connection with God. As some of you are connected, and I want to get you even more connected. Some of you are distant, I want to bring you really close to Him. But my goal this year as your senior pastor is to help you get connected with God because I think that it's from this genuine connection that all of your passion and all of your purpose flows. It's from a genuine connection that things start to get traction and you begin to build something significant for the kingdom of God, something that will glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so that's my prayer. And when we were talking through the week, I was talking to Sam and I was sharing with him about these scriptures. and, And I said, look, to be honest, sometimes I feel like I've done the same thing. I've doubled down through my own discouragement. I've doubled down. I get disappointed not only in myself, but I get disappointed in what other people are doing. And when I look at myself, that begins to hurt. So I think, let's not do that. Let's look at everybody else. And I can get disappointed and discouraged by what they're doing. You know, the people who turn up late on a Sunday, so discouraging. You know, the people who don't serve when you know that they should be serving and they've got gifts to bring to the table. And it's just so discouraging. And you go through this list in your head as a pastor where you go, I feel, God, the pressure to build your kingdom. I feel, God, to build the church. I feel to do something significant in this area that's going to make a massive difference and have a huge impact on the community. And yet I'm not seeing what I want to see. And so if I'm not careful, what I do is I get real discouraged. How many people have known a pastor? They get so discouraged, they begin to break the sheep about the tithe and the offering. You know, if you people gave more, we could do more. And then they take the scriptures and they read it. If you people turned up more often, anyone know pastors? Like, don't put your hand up if you still come to this church. It's awkward. But, uh, but the truth is, I think it's something we all fall into. Can I go a little bit further? We do it in our own marriage, don't we? You know, we, we do it in our own children. We do it with our own family. We do it with our friends. We do it with our business. You know, we see something stagnate. We can't start to get discouraged and disappointed. And we kind of just start getting grumpy with the person. We start getting under, unhappy with ourselves. Then that hurts, so we go, no, 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 it's not me, it's my wife. It's this woman you gave to me, Lord. She made me eat the apple. I wouldn't have done it without her. It's this person or it's that person. It's my children, Lord. If they just behave better, then I could do more. The reason I'm fat, the reason I'm fat is because my wife doesn't shop properly and buy me the right food. Or the reason I'm poor is because my husband keeps spending all his money on Leatherman. Or whatever it might be. I'm just trying to give as many illustrations as I can because I kind of feel we're all in this together. We're all wanting to do something significant for God and we all end up doing it in our own strength. And what I want to bring you to this morning is Zachariah, Zerubbabel, was exactly the same. He was trying to build something significant and special for God. And as it stagnated, as it slowed down, he was so disappointed. And he would begin to use different terms and different manipulative tools to get the people to get into action. And I think I can see that in my own life. I can see it in churches around Australia. And I can see it in my own church here. 
And so as I was pondering this through, I thought, man, you know, the way to do it isn't to berate the people more. The way to do it is to get them to connect to God closer, to get them to connect to the source and the flow more intimately, to get them to know who God is. And so if you were here last week for Christmas message, we talked about the Leatherman. I actually brought it again just in case you wanted to see it because it's a pretty cool tool. Um, It's a funny story. As I left here on Christmas Day, I headed down to Cabarita and uh, we end up springing a leak from our automatic transmission coolant line. And so the automatic transmission fluid and very similar story I just shared. I should have just stayed with the same motif this morning, really, because I was driving down the Canungra Strait and I thought, holy, I must be going fast because I'm spinning the back wheels because the smoke's everywhere and realised that Isuzu trucks did not spin the back wheels, by the way. And uh, so I've quickly realised that this could be bad and I've pulled over and sure enough I have automatic transmission fluid all over the undercarriage of the motorhome. But, spring into action, the mighty Leatherman. Managed to pull it out, cut the lines, um, cut it too short, didn't really help at all. No idea where this particular story is going, put the Leatherman back away. What I will say though... How many people took last week's message and applied it to their life this week? How how many people took the different names of God that have been gifted to you and used them? How many people realized that God was a God who heals the heart and who saves you and he's an everlasting father? How many people took that passage and actually began to apply it to their life? It's funny, I didn't get more than three minutes down the road before I had to use my gift. But I feel like some of us can go weeks, months, years without using the gift that's been given. And this morning, what I want to point out is there's another gift that we've got. If salvation was one of the gifts this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the next gift. And if you're with me, I'd like you to turn in the scriptures to Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1. It says, Now the angel who talked with me came back, and he wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And I'm praying this morning that this message is for the church and for those watching at home. I'm praying that the Spirit of God, not just me, but the Spirit of God stirs something in you and wakes you as one woken from your sleep. I'm praying that as we begin to speak today, we're going to see ourselves in a new light and change the way we do things. There's a ring up here, Rick. I'm just wanting to know if you can hear it. And so he said to me, verse 2, he said to me, what do you see? So I said to him, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Verse 3, two olive trees are by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And so I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So the angel, then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. He, so he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Can I say, This is the word of the Lord to you? It's not just to Zerubbabel, because if these scriptures don't make sense 3,000 years later, they're, no, they're nothing more than a historical document. If we can't take the scriptures and read ourselves into it and apply it to our life, there's no point reading the scriptures. So the scripture isn't just for Zerubbabel. The story is for you today. The story is for where you're at. And he goes on, he says, so he answered the Zerubbabel and he said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we're going to say that again, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can have a huge amount of might and a huge amount of power, but if you don't have the spirit, you're never going to get the job done. You can have the best spark plugs and the best engine and the best battery and the best airflow and the best carburetor, and you can be going flat chat down the road, but without the oil, you are going to find yourself burning out. The secret is in the oil that sustains the running. The secret is stopping the friction. The secret is stopping the seizing up of the engine. The secret isn't in having the best fuel and going the fastest and lighting the best lamp. The secret is in the sustainability of the oil. And that's what Zerubbabel had forgotten. He'd started one way, and we're going to unpack this, but he'd started one way, and as he went along, he began to trust in his might and trust in his power and not trust in the Spirit of God. And I feel like we're talking to the church this morning, but I feel like I'm talking to myself because there's times when I'm trusting in my own voice. There's times when I'm trusting in my own ability to read the scriptures and interpret the scriptures. There's times when I trust in my physical strength. There's times that I trust in my power, my finances to get the job done. And I've got to stop. And I feel like this message was for me. And so I'm sharing it with you. Phil, you need to stop and trust in the spirit of God. It's not by might. Can I say, it's not just by might. It's not just by power. And so I'm sitting at the Cabarita Beach and I'm reading through my devotions and I'm unpacking these in the Hebrew and I'm wanting to share this with you this morning. The positive context, the Hebrew word for might is chayil. And its root has the idea of this natural physical power that is gained through knowledge of the physical world. It's so cool. The positive context of this references the rebuilding of the temple of God. And to rebuild a temple, you need people with mental aptitude. You need people with physical experience, who've got physical aptitude. You need people who've got experience in building and in bricklaying and laying the stones and cutting it. There's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with them. I need you to hear that this morning. There's nothing wrong with being wise. There's nothing wrong with being a servant-hearted and learning to get better and better in what you do. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you think that's going to carry you through and build what God's calling you to build, you're sadly mistaken. If you're only leaning on your own ability, you are going to run out and friction is going to start turning up where friction shouldn't be. This positive side also has a negative side. The negative context is when we lean too heavily upon it. See, this same word also carries this concept of self-sufficiency. It's when you move from, God, you've given me one ability, but now I'm just trusting in this ability and this ability alone. It's when God gives you some wealth to help you propel things and get things done, but that's then what you begin to trust in. And if you go a little bit further, this self-sufficiency becomes manipulative. The word for using your strength and power, such as wealth or influence, to control others. And when I read this, it made me stop and think, how often have I stepped over the line? How often have I gone down this track and I've realized this is good and I'm pushing one way and it's all good, it's all doing well, and then I cross over and it becomes manipulative. Where I become my influence and my power and money or whatever it might be, my physical size my influence in the church becomes something that I use to then intimidate people to get them to do what I want them to do, to berate people to get them to do what I want them to do. And I know there's nobody here like that. They're often in other churches. I get that. 
But as I was reflecting on my life, I could see how often I did it. And can I be honest? It's not my problem. It's all of ours. We all do it. God gives us certain gifts and abilities and strengths and talents, and then we step out of that, and we trust in them, and we trust in them to the exclusion of God. And then we step out of that, and we start to use them to berate and manipulate and control and coerce others to get them to do what we want them to do. I'm hoping this is making as much sense to you as it is to me. To get others to change to get others to do what you want them to do or to stop doing what you didn't want them to do. We see this in churches all the time. By the way, I just was thought I'd throw this here. We see it in churches when people say, well, you know, the church is going to do this, and I have literally heard this. The church is going to do this, and I'm not putting my tithe into that house anymore. So God gives you power and wealth and influence, and all of a sudden, if they're not doing what you want them to do, you withhold that. It's manipulative. It's not a good thing. It's when you trust in your might and your way to get the job done, and you're no longer trusting in him and his way. And when you begin to do that, when you go, you know, I was going to serve on the service team, but because of the way the service team leader spoke to me, I'm not going to serve, and I won't serve on them until they do this differently or that differently. I won't serve on them because they tell me to wear a uniform, and I'm not wearing a uniform on the service team, or I won't do this, or I won't do that, and I'm going to pull this back, and I'm going to use what God's given me, but I'm going to use it now in an unhealthy expression to manipulate and coerce and control people. Are you still following this story? And Zerubbabel is pulled to the side by Zechariah and he says, listen, Zerubbabel, it's not by might nor by power. And we're going to unpack the word power. The power word is coach. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's a word also for a large lizard or a reptile, one that is very intimidating and fearsome. I see, when, we, when things don't seem to be going the way we want, it's easy for us to take these natural gifts that God has given us, the power, the wealth, the talents, the experience, and begin to use them to coerce better behavior out of other people. It has another interesting root, and I'm going to get to that. It also paints a picture of a camel who becomes exhausted and weary. And you're thinking, Phil, how does this, how does this make sense? How does this work through? Can, can I try and play it out? And I'm really hoping it's working in your head as well as it is in mine. But the truth is... You are given a task to build. You're given something to do. I'm going to walk back up here again. (laughs) Made Rick jump. And he gives you skills and abilities and finances and understanding and wisdom to do just that. And he asks you to do it, and so then you step out and you're trusting in it, but then you start to step over that line where you're trusting in that and only that to get the job done. And then you realize that you're getting discouraged because the job isn't still getting done. So you begin to look for other people and you begin to use what you've been given to coerce and manipulate other people's behavior to follow along with what you want to be doing. And when you do that, you become like the camel on the side of the road who is exhausted and thirsty. Now, how many people have found themselves doing that? How many people have found in their marriage that that exhaustion starts to happen. How many people start to go, I'm going to control my spouse with my words. I'm going to withdraw finances from them. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that in order to get them to do what I want them to do. I'm going to trust in my ability to explain or to berate or to tell them off so that they will do what I want them to do. And when we do it, we become exhausted. 
And God says, that's because you're trusting in your own might and your own power. And you're no longer trusting in my spirit. You've got the car, you've got the fuel, but you're not trusting in the oil that will reduce the friction. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. It's not by might. Whatever you're called to build this year, if you want to improve your marriage, it's not going to happen by your own abilities alone. If you're called to build a better business, it's not going to happen by your own abilities. If you're called to restore and be a peacemaker in your family, it's not going to happen by trusting in your own abilities. It's not going to happen by coercing or manipulating other people. In fact, as I was writing with Sam, I said, I want to do this whole thing guilt-free in 23. Guilt-free in 23. I don't want to guilt people to serve. I don't want to guilt people to come. I don't want to guilt people to tithe. I don't want to guilt my wife to behave a certain way. I don't want to guilt my children to behave a certain way. I don't want to use any of my own abilities in my own strength to get people to do what I want them to do. I want to rely more and more on him. And that's going to happen from a genuine connection. In fact, can we go a little bit further if we go down to verse 7? I want to show you what happens when we stop trusting in our own might and when we stop trusting in our own power. And verse 7 says, Who are you, O great mountain, great mountain of discouragement, great mountain of opposition, great mountain of lack? I don't know what you're facing, but I want to give you this picture this morning. Who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. The great mountain that you're facing, the obstacle you're facing today will become nothing more than a plane when you stop trusting in your own ability to change it and start trusting in His. He says that you shall bring forth a capstone. What's a capstone? It's a finishment. It's a culmination. You shall build the business. You shall have the marriage or the ministry or the family that you want when you stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in Him. When you stop trusting in your own ability and your own strength and your own power and your own might and you start trusting in Him. And as we come into 2023, that's the message I want to bring to you. What are you trusting in? Who are you genuinely connected to? I feel like some of you are like my LC Tirana or the Isuzu truck. You're, you're running, you're going down the road. There's a whole heap of smoke behind you that you may not have noticed yet. And if you keep pushing on, you keep pushing on, you're going to have major problems. The damage becomes irreparable. I want to tell you this morning, what a great time as we step into 2023 to stop and take stock. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to ask you to just stop. And ask God, where's my oil level? Father, what am I trusting in? What am I trusting in? Am I really trusting in your oil? Do I really trust in your Holy Spirit to get this job done? Or am I trusting in myself? This is a great mountain. You'll become a plain. And she'll bring forth the capstone. And I love this with shouts of grace grace. It's grace. God, I'm going to trust in your grace this year, in your ability working through me to get this job done. God, I'm going to trust in your anointing. Isaiah 10, 27 says it's the anointing that breaks the yokes and removes the burden. What's holding you back? 
It's not your strength. It's not your clever arguments. It's not your education. It's not your finances. It's your ability to trust in the Holy Ghost that's going to make all the difference. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.